And today uh, we have a special guest that's going to be here with us. This is my friend, Pastor Eric. Pastor Eric has been uh, helping us along the way right now for uh, quite a while, actually, uh, being able to serve in this campaign process that we're at. So he's been a huge asset to myself and Pastor Mark and really to uh, each and every one of you, even if you haven't met him yet. So I'm going to allow him to introduce himself today, and he's going to deliver our sermon. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Good morning. Ooh. I always fill a room, but that's really something there. Uh, I'm Pastor Eric Kennaw. Uh, I bring greetings to you from uh, the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, also from uh, Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Batavia, Illinois, where I serve as uh, the, the lead pastor there. Uh, we have a church and a school uh, that goes up through eighth grade. And I get the opportunity from time to time to come out and work with congregations like yourselves who are going through uh, a campaign process who, uh, through whom God is dreaming big dreams. Uh, and so one of the joys of that is I get to share uh, a message with you uh, as part of this whole process as well as we look forward to that. Um, so as we begin, um, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So we've been working through a series together on legacy. Uh, we've been talking here about the legacy that's been handed off to us uh, and the legacy that we're looking uh, to hand off into the future. And I get to talk about receiving a legacy. Receiving a legacy can be a really scary uh, thing. We've all received a legacy, and sometimes we didn't realize it was happening until it really struck us. A time comes when you've just sort of been living, and, and you've been who you are, uh, and then you approach the altar with someone who's captivated your heart. And you make promises to one another and to God to be together as husband and wife. And you suddenly realize that your family name is a legacy that you're carrying on. It's no longer about your mom and your dad. It's about you living your life, living out your family name, carrying the torch of the reputation of your family into the world. A day comes usually not too long after that. When you bring a life into the world together and you realize that this life will carry on that family name, will carry on the legacy of generations gone by, and you also realize in that moment that your parents who didn't know anything for a decade are now your only source for wisdom and refuge. Mom, she won't stop crying. It's 1 a.m. What do I do, right? We've all been there. And that's the legacy that we've received. And those are scary moments. They're intimidating moments to realize that we bear the torch all of a sudden, that it's been passed on to us. That moment is particularly striking to young pastors early on in their ministry. Um, early on in their ministry, you can see that fresh young face up there. Um, early on. In ministry, I received a call to Springfield, Ohio, just outside of Dayton, north of Cincinnati. A little congregation, and I had hopes and dreams. I already had plans before I got there of where it was going to go and what we were going to do and, and how God was going to bless it. But then I got there, and I met Pastor Gordy Bowman. Pastor Gordy Bowman was the founding pastor of that congregation. It's a struggling community. It's a community that's been hit hard economically. And he had planted 
a church there. But more than that, more than simply being a church planter, because a church planter depends where you're at, right? If you're in Texas and you throw a cross in the ground, you'll have 200 people around it next Sunday or you're not trying, right? Ohio is not like that, and Springfield in particular. Springfield was a very hostile religious community. The other churches in town didn't want an LCMS church in their community. They had killed three church starts already. They had members on the city council, on the planning and zoning commissions, and they stopped every effort. Gordy was the fourth pastor to try to start an LCMS church in that community. And he had to move a mile outside of town into the middle of a cornfield so that he could build a multi-purpose room surrounded by classrooms for a preschool because his dream was to serve the community first. And it was to that little multi-purpose room that I had been called. And when I got there and I met this great saint of God, my thought went from all the things I'm going to do here to, boy, I better not screw this up. This guy has spent 12 years of his life building this church, pouring his heart and soul into this ministry to gather these hundred people around this altar. And he's handing the torch to that guy? That's crazy. I'm not smart enough. I'm not strategic enough. I'm not good enough to build on what he handed me. It's a scary moment to receive that legacy, whether it's your family name or your first child or your church. But it's something that has happened for the people of God throughout time. In our Old Testament lesson, we see this great moment where Moses lays his hands on Joshua, puts his blessing on God's servant, and then goes off into the wilderness. And if you fast forward into the next chapter, which is the next book called Joshua, Joshua is standing on the edge of the River Jordan for the second time. And he's just gotten word that Moses isn't coming back. That Moses has gone off into the wilderness and died. And now Joshua is supposed to carry the people into the promised land. Joshua, who's been the right hand of Moses, but never the leader. Joshua, with no military background. Joshua, who's always been a servant, is now tapped on the shoulder, handed the legacy of the people of God, and said, go take the land that I've promised you. And I assure you, in that moment, Joshua felt like any new pastor or any new parent. I'm not ready. These pictures are deceiving a little bit, because I always picture Joshua, you know, like his late 20s, early 30s. No, he's 60 years old when he receives this blessing. And in 60 years, he's never been the leader of Israel. It's always been Moses. And who can fill Moses' sandals? I mean, anyone who looks like Charlton Heston's has to be like a man of God, right? Moses, who led the people as slaves out of Egypt. Moses, who spread his arms and parted the Red Sea and crashed it on the armies of Pharaoh. Moses, who received the Ten Commandments and saw God face to face. Moses, who led the people 
from being rabble, slaves, freed to a nation in the wilderness? How do you fill those shoes? How do you lead those people forward? The problem is that Joshua, like all of us when we receive a legacy, started with a false premise. See, Moses wasn't this great man of God that God reached into the world and brought because he was so good, he was so smart, he was such a great leader, he was so powerful. No, think of where we meet Moses early in Exodus. Moses is in the wilderness. Moses is 70 years old. He's tending his father-in-law Jethro's sheep. Moses, who ran away from Egypt and is hiding in the wilderness, has married this woman and lives in his father-in-law's tent. Most of us are praying our kids will be out of the basement by 40. Moses is 70. He's still there. And he's doing the job of the most insignificant person in the household. This is a job for children. This is not what leaders of the family do. When God encounters Moses in the burning bush, Moses couldn't lead his own family to start a business. He lived with his father-in-law. He tended someone else's sheep. He hadn't done anything with his life. And God reached out to him. God reached out to Moses not because of who he was or his great capacity and ability, but the one thing that Moses had was faithfulness. Moses had a servant heart. He was in the wilderness tending the sheep, not because his father-in-law like, kicked him out of the house and said, go do this job, but because that day, no one else would tend the sheep. And so Moses said, I'll do it. doesn't matter how old I am. I'll do it. If it needs tending, I'll tend it. If the family needs cared for, then I will care for it here. And he was in the wilderness because of his heart, because of his servant shepherd heart that God was looking for in someone to lead. It wasn't because Moses was so great. It was because Moses was so humble that God called him. And God argued with him. You'll remember there as he stood before the burning bush that he said, God, I can't do this. I don't know what your name is. The people don't know me. I don't speak so good, right? How am I going to do this? Pharaoh won't listen to me. And God made Moses one promise in that whole thing. And it was a promise that changed everything for Moses. God said, I will be with you. Moses, I want you to go to Egypt not go to Egypt, talk to Pharaoh, and come back and tell me how it went. But Moses, I'm going to Egypt. I'm going to free my people, and I want you to come with me. I want to put words in your mouth. I want to put miracles on your fingertips so that the world sees who I am. Moses, we're going together. And if I'm going, will you go with me? And Moses said, yes. Joshua, as he stood on the seashore there, he wasn't standing on the shoulders of a giant. Moses wasn't a giant whose reputation Joshua had to live up to. Moses was an average guy like you and me who stood on the shoulders of an extraordinary God. 
Because he was faithful and willing to stand on God's shoulders, God did amazing things through Moses. And as Joshua looks at the Jordan River and all the land that needs to be conquered, God comes to Joshua and simply makes the same promise. God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua, I'm not choosing you because you're so good. I'm not choosing you because you're so powerful. I'm not choosing you because everyone else likes you. I'm choosing you because you've been a servant all your life. And what I want is a servant to lead my people with me. See, when God calls you into leadership, when God calls you into great moments, when God hands the legacy off to you, he is not asking you to go and do your best and let him know how it goes. He's saying, I'm going to do this. I am going there to confront Pharaoh. I am going into the promised land that I promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I'm clearing it out for my people. Will you go with me? Leadership is walking alongside God as God does his amazing work. Leadership is about ordinary people who stand on the shoulders of an extraordinary God who does amazing things in the world in partnership with them. Jesus said that we should come to him when we're weary and heavy laden because he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Take my yoke upon you. Now a yoke is a thing in which two animals walk together. Usually you see kind of oxen pulling a plow with a yoke, but that's not really what God means as two equals walking together. Have you ever been to St. Louis? Have you ever seen the Clydesdales there? Surely you've seen them in Super Bowl commercials and all that kind of thing. But if you've ever been there and seen how huge those animals are, the way they train Clydesdales is what God is really talking about. They take a little baby Clydesdale who's learning how to be one of these great Budweiser animals. And they yoke him up with a full-grown Clydesdale. And then they put a little cart on the back with the trainer sitting on the cart. And the big horse has no problem pulling the cart and the trainer. The little horse's job is just to trot alongside and learn to stop when the trainer says stop, learn to go when the trainer says go, learn to turn when the trainer says turn, Oh, and every once in a while, he'll put his shoulder into that yoke like he's really doing something. But he's not. He's just learning how to follow directions, how to be faithful to the commands that he's given. And the big horse does all the work. This is what God calls us to do as his people when he hands us the legacy. He says, will you put the yoke on? I'm already up here carrying it. I'll pull the weight I'll do all the hard work. Will you trot alongside with me? Will you keep me company and be faithful as I do my work in the world? This is what God does through great men and women of faith. And we discover that those great men and women of faith are really ordinary men and women who stand on the shoulders of an extraordinary God. Gordy Bowman in Springfield could tell me all of the horror stories, all of the mistakes he made and the failures that he had, and in spite of himself, he would say, God still built a church here. It was freeing for me to discover that I wasn't trying to stand on the shoulders of a giant who had built a church in Springfield, Ohio. 
but I was standing on the shoulders of the same God who started the work with him. They dreamed of moving on from that multi-purpose space where Sunday mornings we would set up folding chairs at an altar and Sunday afternoon we would tear it down and then 60 preschoolers would run all around it for a week. They wanted to have their own sanctuary, a space where they could baptize their children and have their families celebrate marriages and worship God in an independent space. I didn't know how to do that. You may not know this, but there are no classes on capital campaigns or building programs at seminary. None. But God knew how to do it. And in that struggling little community with 150 people, we gathered together around God's altar and we committed ourselves to what we believed God was doing in the world. You can tell that architectural drawings have come a long way in the last 20-ish years. And through God's grace and his blessing, we built a beautiful worship space, a space where God's people gather every Sunday to sing his praises, some of the most amazing stained glass windows. I know you guys have beautiful stained glass windows. The ours are about the size of that screen there. Um, it, they're amazing. Um, but it wasn't about being good enough or smart enough or a good, strong enough leader. It was about climbing up on God's shoulders, climbing into the yoke with God and walking alongside him. And this is the moment that we find ourselves in Desert Foothills Lutheran today. The same moment that Moses had at the burning bush, the same moment that Joshua had on the shores of the Jordan, to say, are we good enough? Do we have the capacity? Are we wise enough? Is the plan good enough? Are the drawings good enough? Are we good enough, God? And God's answer is this. Be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God goes with you wherever you go. God has said to us, this is where I'm going. Will you go with me? All I need you to do is be faithful. All I need you to do is step up to the challenge and watch me work. Because we don't need to do something here that's so small that the community looks around and goes, oh yeah, oh, we knew they could do that. We want to do something here that when the community looks, they go, wow, they did that? God must have done that if they accomplished it. It's what they said about Moses. Moses couldn't have brought the people out of Egypt, but God could. Joshua couldn't have conquered the promised land, but God could. And through you, God has dreamed a magnificent dream that the world will see God's fingerprints all over when it happens here. Our call is not to accomplish something great for God. Our call is to be faithful and let God work through us. That's the way it has always worked. Your parents weren't amazing parents they were ordinary men and women who got a chance to walk through the parenting journey with God and can share their wisdom with you. Your pastors haven't always been this awesome. I'm sorry to let you guys down, but they've walked on a journey with God that's brought them here. And we are walking on that journey together as ordinary men and women who stand on the shoulders of an extraordinary God. And we ask him to bless us that we would bear the torch well in our generation so that the next generation can receive it 
and see what God does through normal people like us. Last evening, leadership of Desert Foothills Lutheran Church got together in order to make an initial commitment to what God is doing here. They wanted to step up first and say, we are all in. We believe what God is doing. We believe his plan. And we're going to move forward with that. The pastors are going to come up and share with you the fruit of what the leaders stood up by faith last night and did. Thanks, Eric. That was a super message. And it really sets us up for success of where we are today. Uh, as Eric mentioned, uh, last night, 83 of us uh, got together, uh, ordinary people, uh, to be able to try to do extraordinary things and get us kicked off. And so Pastor Mark's going to share with us something uh, super exciting today. <laughs> oh, man. Just tell them. I mean, I saw it. So, yeah, big thanks to all the leadership uh, who come together. Remember, next Sunday is our commitment Sunday for everybody. And for our $8 million goal, we have $6 million, $300,000 yeah. for our capital campaign here at Desert Foothills. So tremendous blessing from God. We're very excited about what he's doing here. So next Sunday, we'll all come together and... Uh, after uh, the service, we're going to have the big carnival, and at uh, 1 o'clock, we'll announce the final number. So next Sunday at 1 o'clock, with a drum roll this time, Cash. We'll need the drum roll <laughs> next, next week. All right. Well, praise God. So please stand as we commit ourselves to the legacy that God has passed on to us. Heavenly Father, we ask your Holy Spirit to have free reign in our hearts as we prepare for next weekend. Wrestle with us, Holy Spirit. Help us to know what it means in each and every family to be faithful, to commit to you and what you're doing through Desert Foothills Lutheran in a way that causes us to lean into you more, in a way that causes us to have to trust you to come through if we are going to be faithful to what we've offered up to you. And we know, Lord, that you never fail us. So be with us, Holy Spirit. Speak in our hearts and give us the faith to respond to climb on your shoulders and watch what you do through us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.